punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome everyone to episode 383 of Fergun the Freak. I'm your host, the glorious League Freak. You can find me at League Freak on Twitter. Um, Andrew's not here today. He's out on special assignments, so you've got me going solo on your Monday. Um, first round of NRL footy in the books. What did you think of the way your team went? I did a quick podcast on Friday, on no, Thursday night after the Panthers game. So if you want to know my thoughts on the Panthers game, go and check that out. And it goes for about 10 minutes. It's just some quick thoughts. But I thought I'd go through the other games this weekend. I didn't see all of them in their entirety, but some of them I did see the highlights packages that uh, the Fox Sports put together. Um, the Storm game, Storm versus West Tigers game, I, that's the one I mainly didn't see too much of. Anyway, on Friday night, we saw... The uh, Canberra Raiders win 24 points to 19 over the Cronulla Sharks. This was an interesting game. Um, The Sharks looked a little bit off, but then at times the Raiders looked a little bit off as well. The one thing that stood out for me for the Sharks is they need to ditch Moylan and get Trindle back in the side. They really missed having a proper half back in there. Um... I like the look of the fight that was in the Raiders' side. Like, there are a few times in that game where it looked like they could fold, like you normally see them do in the past. But they managed to fight back, and it was really good to see. They lost Hodgson early on with a bit of a knee injury. I believe the update on his knee injury at the moment is that he's got a little bit of a chip in the cartilage in his knee. I think he'll only be out for two or three weeks from memory from what I saw. But at one point, people were saying, oh, it's an ACL injury and all that. So obviously, that's the best case scenario, considering he does have a bit of a knee complaint. Um, Another thing that came out of this game, Canberra needs a new stadium. Like, the stadium they're playing in is a little bit of a relic. It hasn't been upgraded for years and years and years. And the thing about the Raiders is that they are... I don't even know what you call him down there, the dude that leads the ACT. I don't know if you call him the Premier of the ACT or what. But Andrew Barr needs to stop riding on coattails of the Canberra Raiders so long as he allows them to play out of that relic of a stadium. They really need a stadium upgrade. They need a modern stadium. The city of Canberra needs a modern stadium, and it's silly that they're still having to tread water in this old facility. I think that the... Canberra Raiders fans just deserve more. They really, really do. I don't know if you build it on the same footprint as Bruce Stadium. I know in the past there's been talk about moving it more towards the uh, the main drag of Canberra, but um, they just need a new stadium. They really deserve it because you look at all of the new stadia that's been built around Australia, and they're still built. They're still playing out of Bruce Stadium. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, Then the second game on Friday night, we saw the Brisbane Broncos take on the Rabdos. Now, it was a low-scoring game. The Broncos won 11 points to four, but there was so many things to like about this game for the Broncos. First of all, I said the Broncos would finish the season in fifth place, 
and I had a lot of people were surprised by that. How much of a genius do I look like now? The Broncos looked really, really good. Um, they really got stuck into the contest, which is something that you saw Kevin Walters slowly instill in them last year. And, you know, it, it's been a very big turnaround. When you think about where they were under the previous coach and where they are now, Kevin Walters has done a really, really good job. The Broncos recently re-signed him to the end of 2023. And I don't mind that. I think that, um, you know, I don't think Walters is about to leave the club anytime soon. It's his dream job. But I think that it stops him getting complacent. It keeps him driving the club. He's been really good for the club. After a lot of people, including myself, had some questions about whether he was the right man for the job, he's done a great, great job there at the Broncos. Um, I was watching the game. You know, Adam Reynolds not out there for the, the for the bunnies. It's a huge loss, obviously. Uh, I don't know how they're going to overcome that this year. But the big thing for me is that they really could have used Latrell Mitchell in this game. They just felt like they were missing that extra bit of attack that he he gives them, and that game breaking that he gives them as well. Um. You know, I don't know how many times we've got to look at this Rabbitohs team and say, man, wouldn't it have been good if Latrell Mitchell was out there? It's happening too often. You know, Latrell needs to just stay in the footy field. He's still got that ban that he's he's dealing with from last year from smashing Manu's face in. So they really, really missed him. Uh, Reynolds in the back line, of course, they missed him. That was always going to happen. But I think the bigger thing was that the Broncos, with their Adam Reynolds, did so well. Um, when they get him back, who knows how good they're going to be. I really like their forward pack. And I think that they've got a lot of players in their back line who can cause most teams problems. You know, the likes of Katoni Staggs. Um, I can't wait to see how they go when he's back in the lineup. I think he might be due back in round two round three at the latest, where they're at towards the end of the year is going to be really interesting because I think a lot of their younger players really have taken a step forward from last year. And it was a really, really good win for the Broncos. I was very happy for them and their fans. It's going to be really interesting to see how big the crowd is for their next home game. Now, we go into Saturday afternoon footy. And we saw a bit of an upset where the Knights beat the Roosters 20 points to 6. This was another interesting game. It looked like the Roosters thought they were just going to turn up and get the points. And they ran into a Knights team that competed for the full 80 minutes. And it felt like the Roosters just didn't want to be there at one point in this game. I have been really critical of the Knights. I thought that they were dreadful last year. I thought we were going to see more of the same this year. It was the complete opposite of what we saw of the Knights last year. Um, they competed for everything. Their forward pack was really good. They were really into the game. They gave it to the Roosters. They really shut the Roosters down in attack. They were just everywhere. They were scrambling for the ball. It was some really, really good signs. I was very happy with what I saw out of the Knights. Jake Clifford in this game was fantastic. He continued his great form from the end of last year. 
Him now being the main playmaker for the Knights is great for the club. Um, since he's moved down from the North Queensland Cowboys last year, he's just got better and better with more time under his belt. And, you know, you're looking at it now, he's a bit of a steal for the Knights. Like, there's a fair few teams in the NRL that will love to have Jake Clifford in their side. The Roosters, their fans were not happy. They just didn't look like they want to be there. It's hard to explain. And for that to be their first up effort, you know, I, I just don't know where you go from there if you're the Roosters. Like, you don't want to see that at any point in the season from your club where they turn up and they just look a little bit disinterested and they don't want to go on with the contest. Robinson will put a rocket up them this week. They will really, really need it. Uh, there was also the controversy with Victor Radley. Victor Radley went into a tackle head first and he jarred his neck up a little bit. He seems to be all right. Um, I don't know that he's going to have any complaints with his neck going forward from it. But the bunker and the uh, doctor in the bunker ruled him out for the rest of the game with a grade one uh, head knock. Now, the Roosters were not happy about that. They said that Radley didn't have any concussion at all. It was just a neck injury. And we talked about this a little bit uh, on the podcast in the season preview where we said it's going to be very hard for a remote doctor to diagnose a player that they're not standing in front of. And the thing is, in rugby league, you can get knocked on your ass and you can be hurt, but it not be concussion. It can just hurt, you know. So it seemed like that was maybe what Radley had happened to him, but he got ruled out for the rest of the game by the the by the bunker, essentially. Um, I would have thought that a grade one concussion that the bunker calls would have to be somebody that's stumbling around and really obviously knocked out, not looking at them and saying, oh, I don't know, you know, they got up slowly from that. So we'll see if there's any fallout from that going forward or if the bunker or the NRL changes the rules again. You know, the NRL's due to change the rules again. They changed the rules last time on Thursday afternoon, so we'll see what happens coming out of that. Now, the next game saw the Warriors fall to the Dragons, 16 points to 28. I've been really critical of the Dragons. I thought that they didn't recruit great over the off-season. I was really worried that they were going to finish in the bottom four. The thing about this game when I was watching it is it felt like the Warriors were worrying themselves out of the game. You know how the Warriors will make some really bad mistakes and, you know, look clumsy and just make really terrible errors in the wrong end of the field? That's what they were doing in this game. Sean Johnson looked really bad in this contest. He was detrimental to the Warriors' success. And one of the things I found really weird that was that Harris DeVita was playing at fullback. Like, there's a number of teams that could use him as a halfback. He's a very good halfback. And I don't understand why the Warriors keep shuffling him around. Like, he should have been playing halfback for the last year and a half. And instead, they've, you know, shuffled him in and out the side. And they just don't seem to have any faith in him. Playing him at fullback in this game was just weird. And I wonder if there are other NRL sides that will approach him and say, look, we've got a, 
a opportunity for you. I think it's someone like the um, Titans who could use a halfback. He just he's a good player. He's a really good player, and I don't know why they would play him out of position so many times. Um, the Warriors scored their first try after a really terrible mix-up where uh, there was a little bit of a kick-in put into their end goal. And Sloan, it was really weird, is a very talented young player. He goes after the ball, and then he just tried to avoid it at all costs, and the Warriors scored a really easy try from it. And Ben Hunt looked over at Sloan as if to say, what the fuck are you doing? Like, he avoided doing his job really athletically. It was very strange. Young player, he'll learn from that. Um, The thing I got out of this game, Ravalawa was just a beast the entire time. I think I've talked about how I called a game where Ravalawa in the New South Wales Cup hit somebody so hard, I thought he killed him. He just looked like a superhero in the New South Wales Cup. He kind of looked like the same thing in this game. He was just unstoppable. He has these sorts of games in him where he's just, you kind of think to yourself, is this the guy the most powerful winger in the whole game? And just was incredible once again. But yeah, the main thing that came out of this one for me was Sean Johnson looked like a player that he's just lost it a little bit. And I wonder at what point do you recruit a player back into your club like Johnson? And he's kind of their star recruit for the season. If he keeps playing like this, how long do you persist with him before you've got to go in a different direction? It's going to be interesting to see what Nathan Brown does there. Um, But yeah, the Warriors, look, it's hard to be too critical of them because we know what they're going through. They're having to play away from home. They're based, I believe, on the Sunshine Coast, which is where they played this game. Uh, You know, they're treading water, and they've been treading water for like two and a bit seasons now. So as long as they can be competitive, I think you've got to cut them some slack. Now, the next game on Saturday night saw the Melbourne Storm run out 26 to 16 winners over the West Tigers. This was a game I didn't get to see the full game of. I saw early on in the game. I saw late in the game. And then I watched uh, one of the highlights packages. If you don't know, Fox Sports puts on, I think they condense the game to an hour late at night after they've been played, after that night's games have been played. So I watched a bit of that. Um, <clears throat> the Tigers looked up for the contest, which is 95% of the battle for the West Tigers, as we saw last year. Um, they caused the Storm a few headaches in this one, and it was probably a good hit out for the Storm in that regard. You know, I think a lot of people going into this game thought that the Storm might run away with a giant win, and seeing them have to work for this win... It was probably a good thing for the club. Brandon Smith broke his hand really early on. I think it was the second minute. And youngster Wishart come on and had to play 78 minutes and played pretty well, I have to say. Um, You know, that's not the ideal scenario, I would suggest. I would guess that Bellamy was looking to throw him in a little bit differently. But look, he got the job done. Uh, George Jennings looks like his season's done with an ACL injury. 
he got the ball. No one was near him, and his knee went out on him. It was very sad to see. And then later on in the contest, Christian Welsh, defending on his own line, pushes off on the line and just falls down and lays on the ground. There's nothing he could do. It turns out he's ruptured his Achilles. That's probably a season-ending injuries for him. I know with the timeline, he'd probably be right to play towards the end of the year. But you find that with Achilles injuries, the longer you can give it, the better. Uh, especially as you get older. And we've even seen in the NBA, I mean, Kevin Durant got a, an Achilles injury and he had like just about two seasons off. You tend to see that if you're close to the end of, of one season, you don't come back early from Achilles injuries. You give it as much time as possible, even if it means missing the finals. I think we won't see Christian Welsh play again this year. And I guess with how old he is, and he's not the oldest player in the world, but... With Achilles injuries, you just got to wonder how a player is going to come back from it because some players just don't come back from it. Although we are seeing recoveries from Achilles injuries getting better and better. So that's a good sign for him. But yeah, really tough blow. You could see him in the dressing sheds after the game. He was just absolutely shattered. You saw the uh, his teammates coming up to him and consoling him a little bit. And... Yeah, he he had that thousand yard stare. He just, you could see he was contemplating so many different things in his head. So that was pretty sad to see. Uh, hopefully he can come back from this one. But anytime you see an Achilles injury for any sportsman, it's it's a rough one. Sunday afternoon football saw the Parramatta Eels run out thirty two point to twenty eight winners over the Gold Coast Titans in front of only about 18,000 fans at Parramatta Stadium. I was a bit surprised by that. We had a little bit of a discussion on my Twitter feed during the game about why there weren't more people at the game. You know, it was Sunday afternoon. The weather wasn't too bad. It was pretty good weather for footy. And I thought that they would have had about 25,000 fans there. We know that the Eels have about 30,000 members, and there's been some discussion about how that affects ticketing for the biggest games of their season. Um, I just thought there would have been more fans there. You know, we saw about 17,000 people on Thursday night at Penrith Footy Stadium. And with all of the hype surrounding the Eels, I just thought we would see a bigger crowd. It was a little bit strange. Um, This game was really good to watch. This was a really cool contest to watch. The Eels looked great early on, and it looked like it was going to be a bit of a long day for the Titans. Um, the Titans were making a, a few errors and just, it looked like a Titans performance was coming up, but they kept themselves in the game. And, you know, it was really weird for all the talk we've heard about the Parramatta Eels and, you know, they've learned from last year. And I, I know going into the game, um, there was a, one of the Fox Sports commentators, I can't remember who it was at the moment, but they were saying, oh, the Parramatta Eels have the best middle third in the game. And I'm thinking to myself, what's he talking about? Like, the Panthers are way, way ahead of pretty much everyone, even the Storm in their middle third. I don't know how you could think it was the Eels that have the best middle third. And I think we saw it in this game. You know, when when the Titans got a little bit of football, they just couldn't get shut down by the Eels. So making really good yardage. They were causing problems on the edges and out wide. And it felt like the Eels 
had believed their own hype a little bit, which was really interesting. Um, you know, I don't think going into a round one match, I have ever heard so many talk, so much talk about a result in a trial game. It was absolutely outrageous how you heard them saying, well, you know, the Eels, that big trial win over the Panthers, it's like, can we calm down? It wasn't a friendly, it wasn't an exhibition game, it was a trial game. Like, it's the lowest of low football games. You're literally going out there to get a run under your belt. And I get the Eels fans, they're excited, that's fine. But it's a trial game. And I think that this was a good wake-up call for the Eels because the Titans looked pretty damn dangerous every time they got the ball. Now, there were a lot of points scored in the first half, heaps of them. And it looked like it, at one stage, it looked like it was going to be like a 40 points to 38 scoreline if it kept on going. It was pretty interesting. The second half was a really different story, though. The Eels did not score a try in the second half. Uh, the Titans managed to pull ahead. And there was a point for about, it must have been half hour, where the Titans were defending their own line and their scrambling defense was absolutely fantastic. Towards the end of this game, it felt like the last 25 minutes or so, all the decisions went the Eels' way. And there were some really bad ones. I mean, at one point, Ray Stone tried to play the ball on one of the Titans players that was scrambling away from him in the tackle. And that was a penalty against the Titans. There, there were just all of these little penalties that kept on going against the Titans. Now, I've talked about you've got to defeat the conditions, you've got to defeat the referee, and you've got to defeat things that go against you. But I can understand where the Titans are going to say, man, that was a rough loss against us. Because they just got nothing laid on in that game. The, uh, the Eels got three penalty kicks from right in front. That got them the narrow win. Some of the things that come out of this game, Mitch Moses was doing his best impression of Mitchell Pearce. Like, he was anonymous. For all of the ball that they had attacking the Titans line in that second half, he was just nowhere. And it was left up to Gutherson to some extent, but the Eels forwards, for the most part, to try and do all the playmaking. It was very, very strange. Um... You know, there's a lot of talk about Mitch Moses. He's 27 years old now. This should be the prime of his career. This should be when he's basically at his best. It's it's like that diagram where the athleticism crosses over with the experience. He should be right there in the middle of that cross. And to watch him play a game like this where he was just nowhere, it was a really bad sign for him. Um, now, look, it's round one. We'll see everyone get better as the season goes on. But I just think that it was a bit of a warning sign. And after all of the fades that we have seen from the Eels, you have to wonder if he's the halfback to get the job done. Another player that was completely anonymous was Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown was nowhere to be seen in this game. It was really shocking to see. I mean, he was just nowhere, really nowhere. And... Man, this was a tough loss for the Titans. They really should have gone on to win this game. But as I said, a lot of decisions went against them. But that's football. You just, you got to overcome everything. The last game of the round was an interesting one. It was a horrible, scrappy game. It was two 
terrible teams, and the Bulldogs ended up getting the win up there in Townsville, six points to four. This game had all sorts of things that made it interesting to watch. First of all, it was a bludger of a game. There was lots of drop ball. Some of it was to do with the heat up there. It was hot, muggy conditions, North Queensland weather, and so we saw a lot of drop ball. Um, Deedon looked good early on in the first half, and I felt like it, a lot of it had to do with him not having drink water, trying to dominate the play and screwing things up. Everyone knows what I think about drink water as a player. I just think he's a liability. The problem for the Cowboys was as Tanzan took over the game more and more, they looked worse and worse. Uh, Tanzan just continued his form from last year. He's He's lost it. It's not there anymore. It happens to some players where... They just lose it. And in particular, Harps. He just, his kicking game wasn't great. His playmaking wasn't great. They've got him for three years on a pretty good contract. And I tell you what, between his contract and Valentine Holmes' contract, are they the two worst contracts in rugby league right now? I think they might be. Um, Tal Malolo looked short of a run. He looked like he was carrying a little bit of extra weight and it was affecting his mobility a little bit. He needs to just be left out in the field. I don't know why they keep on subbing him out for so many minutes in the game. Todd Payton, I understand he doesn't want to burn out Tomalolo, but he just needs the run. Just leave him out there. Um, You could see Tomalolo wanted to do more in the second half, especially as the game was close. But athletic, well, not athletically, but just fitness-wise, he's not quite there yet. So just leave him out there and give him a run under his belt. I'll just leave him out there for 80 minutes for the next couple of weeks weeks, and see how he goes because he will play himself back into fitness. He's, I mean, he's one of the best players in the game. There were a lot of head knocks in this game for the Bulldogs. Uh, they ended up having to bring the 18th man into the contest. Uh, the hot weather was really making a lot of them cramp up and then... In the second half, it started absolutely pouring rain. And when I saw all of it sort of coming together like that, I thought the Bulldogs are are not going to want to be there at the moment. This is tough for them. And the Cowboys really should go on with this game. They were dealing with the heat much better. Obviously, it's their home game. They're used to those sorts of conditions. But the Bulldogs hung in there. It It was a pretty good win in that regard. They had every reason to fold, and they didn't. They could have rolled over and died, and they didn't. So that's a good sign. Having said that, they didn't play very well at all. Um, It was interesting to see Burton as the number one playmaker now. He's very good early on, but as the game went on, you could see the pressure of being basically the sole playmaker was starting to to come to the front for him. Um, Avarillo is an all right player for what he does, but everyone knows Burton's the key man in that team in terms of their their playmaking. And it's going to be a very different situation for him this year where he's basically the focal point of their entire attack. And how he handles that's going to be really interesting to watch. He's a quality player. And I've got no doubt once he's got the reps under his belt as a 5'8 or a half, whichever way you want to look at it, he'll be fine. But... There is a learning curve there that I think Bulldogs fans need to allow him to have. 
he's going to have games where he's shut down by opposition teams, especially the better teams. Um, he's going to have games where he tries things and it doesn't work out. And it might cost them games at points. But I think that you've just got to give him that, that time. He's definitely going to get there. Uh, we saw last year playing out of position for the Panthers. He was playing center. Give him a couple of weeks and he was he was one of the best centers in the game last year, weirdly enough. So I hope that Bulldogs fans give him some time. Um, I thought he was one of their better recruits out there today. Uh, Josh Adokar was another one that looked all right. There was one weird point where he made a break and he eased up. He was looking for his, his men to come on and you know give him some, some support play. I would just say to Josh Adokar, if you find yourself in the open ever, run as quick as you can. That's that. Just run as quick as you can. That's it. I don't want to see him do anything else. Don't look for support. Because <laughs> when push comes to shove, no one's going to be able to run with him in terms of him getting support. He should be running away from everyone else. But good solid win for the Bulldogs, considering they played poorly, considering the conditions, considering the head knocks. And Trent Barrett, he holds on to his job for another week. I was talking to people on Twitter about Trent Barrett, actually, in this game. And there were a few Bulldogs fans that weren't happy because they're like, oh, man, this is another extra week of Trent Barrett. Phil Gould likes sacking coaches. He really likes sacking coaches. And that's the thing about having somebody as a football director that was a former coach. Deep down, they always feel as though they could do a better job. And deep down, they know they can't step in and be the coach because you just you can't do that. So they're always looking for the next coach that can do the job more like they would have done the job. And so, you know, Trent Barrett's on borrowed time, and he'll know it. But when you look at Trent Barrett's record as a coach, it's not good. It's absolutely terrible. And you can say he hasn't had the cattle, but at some point, you've got to make a team better in some regard. And he's never, ever managed to do that. So we'll see how the Bulldogs season plays out. I picked them to come in eighth place. And I feel really bad about that selection right now. I feel as though looking after that game, you know, they'll get better as the season goes on. But there's still too much of that terrible, terrible DNA in that side right now. Um, I would say 10th place is more around where they'll probably finish. But we will see. Um, I'm still dining out my Broncos prediction of them coming fifth. I hope they come fifth. I'd look like a genius. Anyway, not the longest episode because it's a solo one. Andrew will be back this week. I think we're planning to record on Tuesday. Um, he actually went to one of the games. I won't spoil which one he went to, but he went to one of the games this weekend. And so he can give us a report on what it was like to go to that match. And, We've got the uh, round two preview coming up. We'll be going through all the odds for Palmer Bet. I will also be going through who had a good week in the tipping competition. I think now we've got, I think it's something like 117 people in the tipping competition. And I still keep on seeing the emails coming in for people joining it, even as the round was going on. So we'll see how that turns out. I started the round really well. I was really pleased with myself. And as the round went on, I just got more and more disappointed with how I went. So we'll go through the, the best 
uh, people in the tipping competition. We'll also pick out the worst ones too. If you got no one, no uh, tips right this weekend, I'm calling you out. I'm sorry. That's what we have to do. So thank you for listening. You can follow me at League Freak on Twitter. No spaces. Check out my Instagram. It is the glorious League Freak with no spaces. Uh, I post a lot of the 3D stuff I'm printing at the moment and a lot of my collection. I've got, I collect all weird stuff. So if you haven't set, seen that, check it out. Uh, basically, you'll have a look and you'll say, oh, wow, I didn't realize League Freak basically had the mentality of a 12-year-old. So go and have a look at that. Uh, go to leaguefreak.com. I'm writing again. So there'll be stuff there that you'll be able to read. Uh, check out FergoOnTheFreak.com for all the, the podcast information. All of the new episodes are posted on there. Uh, check out FergoOnTheFreak on Facebook, uh, Instagram, FergoFreakPod, FergoFreakPod on Twitter. You know where to find us. Look, just go to the website. You'll find all of the links there. Um, thank you for listening. It's been a good first round. I really enjoyed having the football back. I'm sure you did too. And I'll catch you in a couple of days' time with Andrew Ferguson as Ferguson the Freak continues. Palmer bet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.